Well, our communion meditation this morning is from Psalm 111. So if you'd like to turn to that, Psalm 111, I'd like to read verses 1 through 9. And we'll just focus uh, a few minutes here on verse 9. Psalm 111, verses 1 through 9. This is the living and inerrant word of God. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are verity and justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Amen. Well, last, or two weeks ago, I guess it was, in verse 8, I uh, shared, uh, which says they stand fast, the, the commandments of the Lord stand fast forever, and they're done in truth and uprightness. I shared a little quote from Matthew Henry, which obviously you know I like because I often do share Matthew Henry's quotes. But he said about verse 8, he said, All God's commandments are sure, all have been fulfilled by Christ, and they remain with him, or they remain steadfast in Christ. And now related to verse 9, uh, he also said, uh, verse 9 says he sent, the first part of verse 9 says he sent redemption to his people. And Matthew Henry said he sent redemption to his people out of Egypt at first and often afterwards, and these were typical of the great redemption, which in the fullness of time was to be wrought out or worked out by the Lord Jesus. And what he refers to, I think, here, he said the great redemption, it's probably the way we should refer to it, the great redemption is the work of our Lord Jesus in purchasing us by his blood shed for us and by his body broken for us, which we will remember, which we are going to remember in the table. And Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist in Luke uh, chapter 1, this is after the birth of John, when uh, he was filled with the Spirit and he knew that the Lord was uh, uh, soon to be born, and he prophesied about the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus, as our Redeemer. And this is what he said in verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 68 through 73. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Praise God. He visited us and he redeemed us. He visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. So the Lord God visited us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ who he was sent as our redeemer. He was the one who visited Lord Jesus is the one from the house of David that it mentions here, who was spoken of by the mouth of the prophets in many ways, many times. And he would be the one to save us, to save his elect from our enemies and from our bondage to sin. In the Shorter Catechism, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, it says, uh, in terms of redemption, it's defining who our Redeemer is, it says the only Redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other Redeemer. 
The only redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ, who, being the eternal Son of God, became man, and so was and continues to be God and man in two distinct natures and one person forever. He is our redeemer. That is the great exchange, the great redemption that he referred to. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In him, that is in Jesus Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And then we read this morning already, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We have been freely justified by his grace through his redemption, through his work for us on the cross. So praise God that he sent redemption to his people. We could not redeem ourselves. So our loving Heavenly Father sent his son. He sent him to redeem us from slavery and from bondage to sin as he saved the Israelites from their slavery and their bondage. So we are no longer slaves, brothers and sisters. Praise God. We are no longer slaves to sin. We can say no to sin because we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been bought. We are no longer our own. We, are, we belong to the Lord Jesus. And he has ransomed us from captivity to sin. Mark 10 says, For even... The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Lord paid the price of our ransom. 1 Peter 1 says that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. A lot of things back then, they used that money to redeem a slave or a person or a thing. But we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. And we must remember this, I believe, especially as we come to the table. We were redeemed. The last part of this verse uh, in Psalm 111, going back to Psalm 11:9, it goes on to say that he, God has commanded his covenant forever. So the Lord has ordained uh, or appointed an eternal covenant with his people by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord God made a covenant of grace with us in Jesus Christ. Our redemption was part of his eternal plan part of his eternal covenant of the triune God. The Shorter Catechism, number 30, says the Spirit applies to us. So it's by the, the Spirit dwelling in us. The Spirit applies to us the redemption purchased by Christ by working faith in us and thereby uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling. And so that unity that we now have in him and we have with each other because we are in him, which he purchased by his sacrifice for us, is why we can and we should come to the table of the Lord with joy and say, holy and awesome is his name. That should be on our hearts, if not on our mouths. We're reminded each week as we come to the table that he is holy. And so our sin and our law-breaking had to be paid for. Atonement was necessary. Blood had to be shed. And our God is awesome, and he is to be feared because in Christ alone are we redeemed from sin and brought to God. So let us now take these elements, when we do take these elements, when you partake of them, do so with hearts of joy and thankfulness, saying to the Lord our Redeemer, how holy and awesome is your name. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we bow to worship you, which is right. And we ask that you would prepare our hearts now to 
rejoice in the table of the Lord. And we pray that from our hearts, we would be saying, holy and awesome is your name. You are holy. And we can now come into your presence because we have been redeemed from sin and forgiven by the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Lord, forgive us for not praising you daily for your gracious work of redemption on the cross. We praise you for sending redemption to your people and for your covenant of grace with us, which we know, which we understand, which you have commanded forever in your scriptures. Lord, thank you. You are holy and awesome. Holy and awesome is your name. And we praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen.